Well, welcome to church. Welcome to the X. Man, I hope you have had, no matter what life has looked like right now, one of the best weeks ever. I got some friends with me today, as always. And man, wherever you're tuning in from, I'm so glad that you're with us. I don't know if somebody dragged you on the stream. I don't know if uh, maybe you're in a car right now. Maybe you're in a living room. A few weeks ago, I actually joked that somebody might be on a plane watching this. And Chip Schneider, if you're watching, Chip, one of our servant leaders, sent me a text. He said, that's me. He said, I was actually boarding a plane, and I got to be part of X Church at home. And that really is kind of the, the bittersweet beauty of the season isn't it? that we, we, We've said it before, but it really is true in this season that church isn't a place. Church is people. And wherever we join together in the spirit, whether it's digital or physical, God's there. And God's presence is here right now, and I believe God's presence is wherever you are. And maybe you're like, I don't even know what I believe, but we believe God believes in you, and he's pursuing you today. And we believe that he has something special he wants to speak to you Today, we've been in a series, if you're just joining us for a while, called Summer at the X. I think this is week number 76. I'm not sure. Something like that. Week number 76. And this is the Road Trip Edition. And if you've not been part of this, this has been one of my favorite series. You need to go back and watch. It's amazing. Pastor Tim has done such an incredible job. And by the way, if I haven't met you, I'm Russ. I'm on the team. I'm on the staff here. But you got to go back, catch up. The road trip edition, because let's just be honest, all of us in this season have felt like this is kind of like the road trip from hell. Can we just be real? This has been the road trip that we don't want to be on. And um, by the way, I just want to know this. Right in the chat, wherever you are, what is your favorite road trip snack? Michael Crabtree, what is your favorite road trip snack? Snickers? Combos? Okay. Combos, really? Everybody pray for Nathan. Potato chips? Jolly Ranchers, chocolate-covered pretzels. Okay, I don't know why anyone would like pretzels. They literally just make you thirsty. But anyways, just so you know, our lead pastor, Pastor Tim, his favorite is Twizzlers. Like, who likes Twizzlers once they get past the third grade? I don't know. But Reese's is the snack of choice. I just got to tell you, I just got to declare that over our church. There is nothing greater. There is no greater marriage in heaven and earth than peanut butter and chocolate. I just want to tell you that right now. And it makes any road trip... Better, but maybe you really have felt like, man, this is a road trip that I cannot wait to get out of. And, and the beautiful thing about this series is that we've discovered we're not alone on this road trip. Not only are we all together, but we've been kind of taking some truth and drawing some strength from the children of Israel, this ancient group of people that were delivered from Egypt that went on their own road trip. And I just have to tell you, I love road trips. I don't love this road trip, but I love road trips. In fact, I just spent my first long-distance road trip last week. I actually went to Raleigh, and it was amazing. But I do know what it's like to be on a bad road trip, and I almost don't want to tell you about this road trip because it's so embarrassing. I don't know why I tell all these self-deprecating stories to begin all of my messages. I think it's because some people tune into church, and they think pastors are on some kind of a platform or pedestal, and you just need to know that we're really human. But I really don't want to tell this one because I feel like this one is, is so bad they're going to judge me, Rachel. But I got to tell you, one time I was driving, this is like 2016, and I lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and I had to drive home to Greenville, South Carolina. That's where I'm from. My parents, my friends were waiting on me, 
And if I can just be real, it was a really tough season of my life, and I was looking forward to hitting the road, getting home, and it was one of those seasons where, to be honest, I was so in my head that every minute felt like an hour, and I felt like I took, I don't know if you've ever been on those road trips, it just takes like, it feels like it takes forever to get there, and I remember I left right after work on that Thursday and started going home, and I just thought this road trip's never going to end, I'm kind of going through a tough time, I can't wait to get home. Uh, to my family and, and my friends, and if you know anything about me, you know, and it's kind of a joke around staff, that I'm not the greatest with directions. I'm not Magellan, Michael Crabtree. I'm not one of those people that you drop them in any city, and they're like, oh, just go northeasterly. I hate, can I just tell you, my, one of my pet peeves, I hate it when people give, like, like map directions. Like, instead of, like, turn at the Arby's, they're like, well, if you just go 41 degrees northeast, you'll surely go by that one tree that'll get you. I don't understand that. So I just live and die by the GPS. I praise God that we're in the place of GPS. So I hit my GPS going from Atlanta to Greenville to Greenville, South Carolina. But I was so in my head. I don't want to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this. I was so in my head that about two and a half hours into the journey, I, I noticed as I was just blindly following my GPS that nothing looked familiar. <laughs> and I, to my horror, about two hours and 45 minutes into this road trip, I saw a sign that says, Welcome to Greenville, Alabama. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I drove three hours in the wrong direction. And I, I'm a grown man wanting to cry because not only was I so ready to get home to my friends and family, and not only was I going through a really tough time in life, but I was going to miss my dinner with them, and I was going to get home after midnight and have to drive another three hours back. I was so frustrated and angry at myself that I started speeding home, and no joke, to pour salt in the wound five minutes into my road trip home, I got pulled over by a cop and given a $300 speeding ticket. I thought, I just, I'm going to cry. And it was horrible. But can I be honest? I feel like that's probably where a lot of us feel like in 2020. Like, I thought I would be here. But when I was writing my 2020 vision, I had myself in the proverbial Cancun, Mexico down south. And I feel like I'm in Toronto, Canada. And I don't know how I got here. Do you feel like that? Like, I thought I would be here by now, but I'm all the way over there. I feel like I'm a thousand miles from where I thought I'd be during this season of my life. And I feel like, can I just be honest, maybe you feel like I'm a thousand miles from the promises and the dreams of where I'd hope to be in the future. And I love that there's a people called the children of Israel that can relate to us. And so I'm going to pick up uh, from where Pastor Tim left us off last week. This is Exodus 19. I just want to tell you this. Here's what's really cool. A few thousand years after the children of Israel took this journey, Paul wrote to his church in 1 Corinthians. He says, these things were actually written down for our instruction. Did you know that not only was this a real group of people going through real events, but somehow God in his mystery and sovereignty by the power of the Holy Spirit recorded these things because he knew that a few thousand years later, I would need to draw strength from their journey. I would need to draw hope from their journey. I would need to be reminded that even though I feel like I'll never leave the desert, there is a God who is faithful. And if I can lean into his ways, I will make it through the journey. Exodus 19, one through however long ago. Exodus 19, verse 1. If you got a Bible with you, it says this. On the first day 
of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt. On that very day. I love that phrase. On that very day. You ever had time go so slow or you've had memories so painful that you marked that day? Like it was, it was exactly three months ago. You know, for us, it's been about five months of quarantine, social distancing, world changing, whatever it looks like. For them, it had been exactly three months. And it says, on that very day, from three months after they were pulled out of Egypt with the promise, Rachel, that they would go into a land where homes had been built for them, where a land that they had plenty and abundance and milk and honey were flowing and God was going to defeat their enemies and give them treasure and give them a brand new future. Three months after they left Egypt, they're still in the desert. And it says this, they came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. When I was reading through this this week, the word camped stood out to me. I think it's where we camp out somewhere that we begin to lose hope, isn't it? It's one, it's one thing to feel like you're going through a season. It's another thing where you feel like, oh, wait, I'm camped out here for a while. It's another thing to feel like I'm going through some pain. I'm going through a relational turmoil. I'm going through a, a lack. I'm going through a time of heartbreak. But it's another thing when you feel like, oh, wait, I may be here for a while. This virus that I'm in in March may last a couple weeks. Oh, wait, it's May. It's June. It feels like I'm camped out. And if we're not careful, we can begin to lose hope. It says the camped out in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you're to tell the people of Israel. And I love this. And can I just tell you, I'm not even preaching yet, but I just got to tell somebody. I got to give somebody some hope because I feel like the same thing that God told Moses to tell them is the same thing God wants to tell somebody today. He says to tell the people, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. In other words, God's saying, look, I know that you're in a painful place, but I want to remind you that you've seen what I can do. I want to remind you, even though you're in a painful place, that you've seen what I can do to your enemies. I want to remind somebody that your faith may feel low, but you need to build today's faith by remembering yesterday's faithfulness from God. The, 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 re, the reason that I can believe that I'll make it out of this wilderness that I feel like I'll never make it out of is because there's a wilderness three years ago that I thought I wouldn't make it out of. But God, I've seen what you did to the Israelites. I've seen how faithful you are, so I believe that you can bring me out of this, it says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Brought you to myself. You know, I used to think that God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt just so he could bring them to the promised land. But a, a couple years ago, I kind of did a deep dive into this story. And there's actually multiple places where God says that I brought the children of Israel out of Egypt so that they could come to the mountain to worship me. And the, the theme of this message is really simple. If you, if you want to write something down, the thought today that I believe God wants to just put like dynamite in your heart is this. Every season is a setup for you to experience God in a new way. Uh, a, a little, if you skip over a few verses after God speaks to Moses, God has Moses kind of prepare the people's hearts because they're about to step into a few really special days and, and encounter God. And we read this, if we skip ahead to Exodus 19, it says this, on the mountain, or no, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. 
and everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. I want you to underline that if you're reading in your Bibles. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God. Put, put in the chat, it's a setup. Have you ever been set up? <laughs> it's dangerous to be set up nowadays. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever, somebody tried to set you up before you got married, if somebody tried to set you up a, a long time ago. There are bad setups, but I want you to know that every season, no matter how painful it may feel, is a setup from God. If you get a chance to go back to the last few weeks, we see that in every season, God reveals something different about himself. God brings the children of Israel out of Egypt, and then Pastor Tim showed us how they came to this place called uh, this waters that turned bitter, and they camped out in a bitter place, and they called it Mara because it was bitter, but then they threw a stick in the water, and you got to go back and read it, but God brought healing, and God revealed himself as Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord who healed you. And so we learned from that really painful season that they experienced a part of God they didn't know. And then you go on and they get really hungry and they don't know where they're going to eat. Are you in a, maybe you're in a season where you feel like, I don't know where my next meal is going to, I don't know where my next piece of joy is going to come from. I don't know what I'm going to do. But then God supernaturally gives them this stuff called manna, which literally means what is it? And in that season, God revealed himself as the Lord, their provider, Jehovah Jireh. And then we learned last week that Moses, sometimes you feel so tired like you can't even hold your hands up and you need some people like Aaron and her to hold your hands up and we discovered last week the power of this posture of surrender and praise and that our weapon in the wilderness is worship and that if we will lift up a banner of worship God will lift up a banner of victory and that we learn the Lord is our banner Jehovah Nisi and my question today is simple what is God setting you up to experience in your life that you might meet God in a brand new dimension that changes everything about the way you see yourself, see God, see the future? Can I, can I tell you in the wilderness, and here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying God is responsible for viruses or bad seasons or bad things that happen. What I am saying is God supernaturally somehow can work sovereignly above all of that to still use the pain of every season to bring purpose and good for you and glory for him. And so I just wondered today, what is God setting you up to experience in your life? And so three simple thoughts, three simple thoughts of how to posture yourself to experience God. Because here's what I really believe. Some of you that God has never been real to you, God's going to become real to you in this season. I, I believe there's some of you watching that, man, you, you grew up maybe around people that knew church, but I believe this is the season where God is going to step out of the cobwebs of theology, the cobwebs of history, the cobwebs of grandma's faith and grandpa's faith, and into the burning reality of here and now, and skin-to-skin, friendship, gritty, daily, glorious, walking-with-God reality. And I believe God's going to do that in your life. So what are three simple steps if you're a note-taker? Number one is this. Number one is this. If you want to encounter God in a fresh new way is comprehend his love for you. I know it's really simple, but can I just remind you that God's crazy about you today? Can I remind you in case you're tuning in and you've thought, man, I've been so turned off by Christians and the way Christians have treated me has made me think that maybe God doesn't really love me. Can I tell you that somewhere deep down in your chest today, you need to hear the voice of God saying, despite all you've done, I still love you, and you're still the apple of my eye. 
It says in Deuteronomy, for he is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. When I was in Lexington, Kentucky, I lived there for a few years as part of a church plant. There was a girl um, that was uh, kind of part of our plant, Rachel. And I don't know if, this, if I'm allowed to say this as a pastor. I just didn't like her that much. <laughs> I, I, I said, is that, that bad to say? Can I, can I admit that? I mean, you know, I love her in Jesus, you know, but I, I just, I, <laughs> but I just, I, I just did not, you know, I just, we just did not get along. And I would try everything. I would try to kill her with kindness. I would try to bring her Starbucks. I would try, you know, I would try anything, but I could not like make my, if you ever met somebody like that, you're like, I don't know why they rubbed me the wrong way, uh, but they just do. Is this too real? And then about a year into living in Lexington, it, it hit me why I didn't like her. And I probably, this is probably too vulnerable to admit. But can I tell you why I realized that I didn't like her? It's because deep down, without it being said, I really sensed that she didn't like me. And can I tell you, I think some people struggle with their walk with God because no matter what they read in this book, no matter what people tell them mentally, they really struggle deep down believing that God not just loves them, but likes them. And can I just tell you, it says in Psalms that he knows the number of hairs on your It says that his thoughts towards you outnumber the grains of sand and the seashores of all the world. Can I tell you God's crazy about you today? Can I tell you that God loves you? Can I tell you, here, here's what I believe in this season is that some of us are really, really eager to get out of the car of this horrible season. But can I tell you, God's even more eager to be with you in the car. You and I were made for God. I, I don't, you see, here's the thing. Here's what I'm praying over today. I'm not even going to be able to give you a tenth of what's really in my heart, the burden I have. But here's what I really believe. See, the children of Israel, they settled for foot of the mountain living, where they said, Moses, you go up and encounter God. You go up and experience God. You come back and tell us what he says. They just looked at themselves as ordinary. They didn't prepare their hearts. There wasn't a deep hunger for them to experience God. And you know the tragedy? Because I've been on the other side where I'm not in vocational ministry. The tragedy is so many people settle for foot of the mountain living. I'm going to be at a distance from God. I, I, I'll, I'll admire the way Pastor Tim climbs the mountain and has these glorious encounters with God. I'll let Pastor Tim hear his voice. But can I just tell you, you were made for the mountain? You were made for the top of the mountain. You, and I'm not just talking about sensational moments, but here's what I'm saying. I, it, maybe you've just thought to yourself, man, like, look, I'm just an ordinary guy. I love my Buckeyes. I love my family. I want to be a good person. But can I just, just respectfully violate your view of reality and tell you that you were designed for glory? You were made for face-to-face -face intimacy with God. And can I just tell you that because of what Jesus has done, you have just as much access to experience God and walk in designed ways with him as Pastor Tim or anybody else on staff, that you were designed to experience and encounter God, that you were not made for foot-of-the-mountain living. And here's what I'm praying. I pray that, that, that you have... Such a revelation. Here's what Paul said. Paul knew that if they didn't grasp how deeply God loved them, they would never move on to fall back in love with God. You know what I do? Because I'm, I'm I don't know if you're an Enneagram person, but I'm a three, which means I'm very performance-driven, achievement, 
And you know what I think sometimes? I think that I can become a better Christian by trying to love God better. But can I tell you I'm not changed by trying to love God better? I'm changed by embracing God's love for me. Can I tell you when I embrace and really let myself humble myself enough to receive God's love and acceptance of me, that's what changes me? Can I tell you, that's why Paul said in Ephesians, he says, I get down on my hands and knees daily, and I actually pray that you have a revelation and experience of how deep and big and rich and full the love of God in Christ is for you. Because he knew the love of God would change them. I just want, to, I just want you to know, Jesus wants to be with you. I know you want to get out of the car, but Jesus wants to be with you in the car. In fact, I'm lonely. Eddie, can you, can you join me here? Can you ride with me in the car for a minute? You, you, might, you might want to grab that. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a little bit lonely in the car. And I want you to be with me. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, here's the thing. This season is more about you, is more than just you getting from the wilderness to the promised land. This season is more than just you getting from uh, post-divorce to remarried, or from lonely to this, or from heal. God is doing something in this season. God is doing something while we're in the car. Um, you know, Eddie, Pastor Tim talked last week about surrender, and uh, about how this is the posture of surrender. And, and I love, I love that thought. I was actually talking to a friend just this past weekend, and he said that he wrote down, and so I wrote it down because I just thought it was so good. Three statements of surrender that can bring a vulnerability and intimacy with God when we don't know what to say. And the three statements of surrender were this, God, I don't know what to say. God, I don't know what to do. And God, I don't know what's next, but I trust you. Maybe that'd be a good prayer for this season. God, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. And I don't know what's next, but I trust you. Eddie, did you laugh when I talked about driving to Greenville, Alabama? I did, I did. You did? I okay. All right, yeah, you're fired. So, um, <laughs> so I drove three hours the wrong way. I got pulled over. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie's a rule follower, if you don't know. He is a deep rule follower. Um, so can I just be honest with you? After that happened, <laughs> um, yes, I was upset about driving three hours the wrong way. Yes, I was upset about... Um, the speeding ticket, but I think just all of that combined kind of finally loosened up, softened up the places in my heart where about an hour into my ride back, I just got really, really honest with God. And uh, I had one of those moments where I just told God, just not, not about driving the wrong direction, but just the whole season I was in, I just said, I said this, and, and maybe you would feel too bad to be this vulnerable, but I said, God, I'm just so disappointed right now with what you're doing. I don't know, maybe you'd be afraid to admit that, but I just said, God, I am just so disappointed. I said, I am, I am so heart sick. And, I, and, I, and God, I love you. I trust you. I'm so thankful, God. I, I know that I don't deserve anything. I'm so thankful and all those things I'm supposed to say. But if I'm just being really real right now, God, I feel so let down. And I just feel disappointed. I just got to tell you, I just feel so disappointed. And... Uh, for whatever reason, that randomly, I, I kind of just felt, not to be weird, but I just kind of felt impressed to watch this message. I'd never watched it before, but I'd seen the title of it. It's a message by old Pastor Stephen Furtick. It's called, the, I still remember, it was like 2016. It's called The Seed is on Schedule. Yeah. 
And uh, I, to be honest, I did not feel like listening to a message. But I, I turned it on, and, and in the first few seconds of his opening remarks, he said, I want you to know, somebody that's listening, that it's okay sometimes just to tell God how disappointed you are. So I turned it off and started ugly crying. <laughs> Shut up. And, uh, and then finally I turned it back on, and it was a message just for me, just for, and I just finally said, God, I want out of this season, I want out of this car. And I'm going to be brutally honest while I'm in this car with how I feel because you said that I can pour out my heart to you. I don't have to play games. I don't have to pretend. But I made a decision, God, while I'm in this car, I want to learn whatever I need to learn and experience whatever I need to experience. And um, I just feel like somebody needs to know that it could be a setup in the season that God could use the brokenness to draw you near to him. That Could it be possible just to sit? This, this is not good. You won't like this as a rule follower, and please don't do this at home. But when I was in high school, I remember I, I, I dated this girl that uh, the parents said that we couldn't be together. And I know this is bad. Don't ever do this, and don't judge me. I've repented. It's under the blood now. But I, 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 I planned this thing where she was over at a friend's house, uh, and so I picked her up, and uh, we snuck out. And, um, and I didn't even know where we were going. We just went on a road trip. And the thing is, I didn't care where we went. I just wanted her to be beside me. You ever been with those people that, that it, you don't even have to say a word driving down the road. You, you're just content to be in their presence. And I just wonder if while we're on this road trip, God wants to do something in us where we become content just to be with Jesus and just to let him do something deep inside of us. Is it possible in this pain for there to be eternal things I begin to hunger after that eclipse the temporal problems? I love this verse. 2 Corinthians 4, 16-18 says this, NIV, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us and eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want you to know, maybe you need to put this three times in the chat. The season will end. The car ride will end. But I just feel like, I think, you know what I think needs to be a statement for us for a while is, but while I'm in the car. Man, I want it to end, but put it in the chat. Say, while I'm in the car. Everybody on the platform, can we just say that? While I'm in the car. Look, I want to get out of the car more than I could say. Like bad words. Like, like I want out of the car. But, but, you know, maybe we need in this season some while I'm in the car declarations. But while I'm in the car, I will trust Jesus. While I'm in the car, I will learn whatever he wants to teach me. While I'm in the car, I will not default. I will not compromise. I will not settle. While I'm in the car, I'm going to, you know what, what I think we should do while we're in the car of the wilderness season, of the road trip from hell, is we've joked a lot about we wrote vision, and now it seems like the vision's out the window. But you know what I discovered? I think vision is actually more important in the desert, not less. Because if I don't, you know one thing I wrote down, I'm just, I'm just talking now. I hope that's okay with everybody. It's just me and Eddie talking. Eddie, I wrote down, I was reading one of my journals from 2018 the other day, and I wrote a line that when I read it the other day, it just did something in me. I wrote a line, a prayer, and it said, God, in this season, would you enlarge my appetite for my destiny? 
God, in this, I don't want to be Esau in this season. And when I'm hungry and I'm empty on the inside, see, right after this happened, a few chapters later, we won't get into all this, but a few chapters later, after Moses has spent 40 days on the mountain, he came back down from the mountain, and the children of Israel had created a golden idol. They had gotten so restless in their season they had gotten so restless in the desert, so empty, so dry, so lonely, that because they weren't experiencing God, they entertained themselves. Because they weren't encountering God, they defaulted in this season. And I just want to warn someone, be careful what you default to. Be careful what you use as an escape. I found in some of my seasons that if I'm not careful, the way I choose to escape from the prison of that season becomes a prison itself that I can't escape in the next season. we got to be careful what buckets we're drawing from in every season. What buckets are we drawing from? I had a mentor ask me, say, say Russ, be careful in every season. What bucket are you, what, what are you drawing from? Am I drawing from people's opinions in that season? Am I drawing from, uh, from uh, my performance in that season? Am I drawing from vice? What are you drawing from? And he told me, he said, the only bucket that will never fail you that you can draw from daily is the unconditional unrelenting love and acceptance of God as his father over your life I'm going to keep rambling you go back okay okay so number one is this comprehend God's love for you number two carve out space in your schedule can I just get super practical for a moment can I just get pastoral for a moment we have no idea when this season is going to end I wish I was a prophet. Do we have any prophets on the platform? Nathan, do you know when this season is going to end? No, he doesn't. Okay. So, so as of this recording, unless something crazy happens and aliens invade Toronto next week, we will be in person as of this recording. But we have no idea what that looks like. We have no idea. There could be an, an outbreak of COVID. There could be a lockdown from the government. We have no idea. And can I just encourage you? to set up opportunities for you to experience God by continuing to carve out rhythms to meet with God. I had somebody tell me the other day, Rachel, they said, I just, I just prefer meeting in person, this whole online thing. And I, and I just told them, not being smart, I was like, welcome to the club. <laughs> like, I, I, I think we all prefer to meet in person, but what would it look like in this season where we have to get inventive in how we set aside time with God inside for community, what if you and your family just made a decision? You said, you know what, 9 a.m. every week, 11 a.m. every week, we are setting aside that time to be with God. If it can be in person, great. If it's going to be digital, great. But if we're at home, we're not going to plan something else just because it's not in person. We're going to set aside that time as holy and as special, and we're going to pray, and we're going to put some coffee on, we're going to put the dog in the other room and we're gonna meet with God I'm gonna carve out space hey you know one thing that COVID cannot take away is your personal daily private devotional life with God and and we've said this pre pre COVID try to say that nine times fast pre COVID that we hope you're not just eating once a week we hope every morning you're taking out fork and knife and you're digging into the feast of God's word. Every day you're sitting under scripture. You're getting in the presence of God. You're pulling out the weapon that Pastor Tim talked about last week when you go down the road and you say, I know my feelings tell me that I'm in despair, but I'm gonna bring up a sacrifice of worship and I'm gonna give him a sacrifice he can consume in my life. What does it look like to join a circle? Or to make sure you don't flake out on your circle. 
Now my circle is going to think I'm calling them out because we had to, we had to postpone it. I kind of am. I'm just kidding. I love you. <laughs> I really do. I, I love you. If you're watching this, I love you. I love you. But what does it look like to carve out space in this season more than ever? To give room to meet with God. I want to say it once. I want to say it a million times. Every season's a setup for you to experience God in a brand new way. The third one is this. What does it look like after you comprehend his love for you and you carve out space in your schedule to cultivate hunger in your heart? I wrote down early in quarantine, I think it was at the end of March, I, I wrote out kind of some of my daily prayers and prayers for my friends, prayers for my family, prayers for the campus. And for, for whatever reason, I wrote out an, just an odd prayer, what, I guess what would feel like an odd prayer for quarantine. And I'd love to say I've leaned into this the whole time. I haven't. I've been human. Can I just be honest? There's been weeks where I'm thriving, Rachel, and weeks where I'm just surviving. And if that's you, welcome to the club. Maybe you feel like I'm barely surviving. But I wrote down a prayer. I said, God, in the middle of this quarantine, I'm actually, my deepest prayer, even beyond protect my health, is God, would you fill me with a fresh spiritual hunger for you? Would you fill me with a fresh hunger for God? And can I tell you, maybe you're one of those people that you see people meet, have all these great experiences with God. You see the Pastor Tims, the Pastor Kevins, the Pastor Zach, and you just think, man, they must have been born with a halo over their crib, or that's for those in full-time ministry or whatever. No, can I tell you an awesome promise from Jesus? Is blessed are those who, this is Matthew 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, for they will be filled. Can I tell you, I think the single greatest gift God could ever give, but it's also something you can cultivate, is an insatiable appetite for God. And can I tell you of all the differences between Moses and the people of Israel, I think this was the greatest. So, you skip ahead a few chapters. Moses has gone up to the mountain. They got the Ten Commandments, and God gives all the social laws. He goes back up the mountain again, 40 days, 40 nights. He comes back down. The people have created this golden calf. They couldn't manage life, so they created their own gods they could manage. And God gets really angry. I know we don't like to think of God getting angry. God gets really angry, and he tells Moses, he says, Moses, he said, I, I, I'm done. I'm done. He'll never say that now. We have Jesus. But he, he, he said, God, he, he said, Moses, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and still keep my promise. How gracious is God? And he says, even though this people have betrayed me, I'm going to send them on ahead to the promised land. And isn't this crazy? They betrayed God. They broke. Literally back in Exodus 19, when Moses had come down, they said, we'll do whatever God tells us. And here we are. You ever been there? God, I'll never do it again. God, I, send me to the nations. A few days later, God, I just, I don't know. I just, I'm done. I just, and that's where they were. And, and God said, Moses, look, I'm, in my anger, I think I would destroy this people along the way. He said, so because I made a promise and because I love them and I love you, he said, I'm going to send you on ahead to the promised land. I'm going to give you everything you ever asked for. I'm going to fulfill my covenant. And I'm even going to send an angel along to protect you. I'm going to send my blessing with you. This is, this is deal of the ages, right? He said, but my presence won't go. Now, let's just be real. If you're the children of Israel, 
And you kept complaining and even missing Egypt, the land where you were enslaved without God's presence. You know they would have taken that deal. <laughs> yeah, okay, so send me to the land of my dreams and even an angel's gonna go along and I'm gonna be blessed. Absolutely, but I wanna read you a line from Exodus 33, 15, that I've read it once, I've read it a million times, but it makes me wanna weep every time. This is Moses' heart, and I want this to be my heart. They're in the middle of the wilderness, and by the way, unlike the children of Israel, Moses knew what it's like to, to, to actually have comfort. He grew up in the palaces of Egypt. He knew luxury. He actually had the benefit of saying, look, I know what it's like to live with comfort and to live in riches and to live in wealth, but listen to Moses' heart in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of hunger, in the middle of sorrow, in the middle of tears, in the middle of extreme heat and extreme cold at night, in the middle of enemies attacking them. Moses says this to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses said, I'm so hungry. Moses had had an encounter with God that ruined him for life from foot of the mountain living. He said, never again will stale religion or the blessings of the world compare. I've tasted glory. I've hungered after God. And I would rather have hardship and pain but experience the presence of God than go on to everything the world could offer without the kiss of his spirit. And I just, and it's really simple. If I want to experience God in great ways, I've got to stretch my spiritual stomach. Because if I'm this hungry, I can be filled up this much. But if I'll make space for the Spirit of God to come sweep into my life, if I'll get hungry for God, you know, I had just gotten back from Argentina. This is 2004, I don't know. I had just gotten back from Argentina, and I'm about to tell you a couple things that may freak you out. It's fine. I had gotten back from a, a year abroad studying in Argentina, and I was at, I went to a Mexican restaurant. Anybody have Mexican? Please put in the chat where the good Mexican restaurant is in Central Ohio, because I am, I, I, I am having a hard time finding it. But I went to this Mexican restaurant, and uh, I ate my brains out. I had, I think, the uh, two or three chicken and cheese quesadillas. Don't you dare judge me, and I'm so full. And I remember uh, a few minutes later, uh, some of our group from our like youth group, they showed up and they were ordering and I had already finished my meal. And it's one of those weird moments where you just think about something in life that's just normal. You know, you just, you get, I don't know, theoretical. You just start daydreaming. And, and I thought about the fact, how weird is it that a few moments ago I was so hungry, but as I watched their plates of food come out, there was no desire in me. I was actually repulsed. You ever been there? Isn't that weird how you can just be so craving food and then a few minutes later, once you're full, it looks, the thing that you craved a few moments ago looks repulsive. And I'm not trying to be all spiritual or all spooky, but I felt in one of the clearest moments of my life, the Spirit of God speak to me and say, for this very reason, my people are not hungry for me because they're already so filled up that there's no room for me to sweep in and for them to encounter me in ways that would change their life. The next day, a man called me and asked me to come teach a Bible study at his house, and, and I felt like God had been stirring this message of hunger in my heart, and it was only about 
eight or nine of us. We were at the top floor of his house and I was teaching this, just this thought on hunger and I wish that happened like this all the time. It's only maybe been a handful of times, but as I was teaching, I felt the presence of God sweep in the room in the most tangible way I've ever felt in my life. And I said, look, we're going to turn on, turn off the lights. We're going to put on some music. We're going to pray. And, and then I made a statement. You, you ever see, you ever like heard the words come out of your mouth before you say them? <laughs> you, you ever said something and then you're like, oh, I, I, and put it back in. I heard myself say before I said it, miracles are going to happen tonight. And then I, I looked around. <laughs> I was just like, okay, God, what? Well, why did that come out of my mouth? Hopefully that's not, I, hopefully no one heard me and the, we turned the lights off and so I just hoped everybody would forget that. And But the presence of God filled the room and come to find out later, one of the guys that was actually on staff had secretly been addicted to cigarettes for 15 years and was set free instantly that night. A few moments after we started praying, the youth worship pastor and his wife came up and she had had a fluid build up on her knees. She hadn't been able to walk for weeks. He had to carry her up the stairs so she didn't even hear my great glorious message, just in case she thought it had anything to do with me. And he carried her up and she walked in the room and I guess she immediately felt the presence of God in that room and she said, she started crying. She said, guys, I, I just, I can sense something special is here and would you pray for me? And we laid hands and we prayed for her and God instantly healed her. She walked out of that room. The fluid buildup had disappeared. And multiple stories kept coming back from the night. Pastors, why are you telling me this? I'm telling you this because it has nothing to do with any person in that room, especially me. I'm telling you this because while you're in the car driving through the wilderness, I want you to know there's something about hunger that attracts the presence of God on a life. The reason David kept being promoted was not because he was gifted. The reason he was promoted is because he says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. I'm chasing after you. He was called a man after God's own heart. Right after Moses said, God, and I love one translation. The message translation says it this way. Moses says, if your presence doesn't take the lead, call this trip off. Somebody needs to say that today about a relationship. Somebody needs to say that today about a decision. If God's presence doesn't take the lead, I want nothing to do with it. But Moses ended up going on in Exodus 33 and 34 and saying, God, not only do I not want to leave the wilderness if your presence doesn't go, but would you show me your glory? I just want to tell somebody, you may not think you're going to make it out of this season, but you will. You'll get out of the desert. You'll get out of the desert. You'll get out of the desert. But what will you get out of the desert? What encounters are awaiting you? What potential is in this painful season? I want to tell somebody I've experienced this. And those that are older than me, you know this. Sometimes it's the worst seasons that are the best seasons. Sometimes it's the lowest seasons where I experience God in the deepest ways. Jesus was in the wilderness, you know, just in case you think that there's something different about your story. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, but the Bible says he came out full of the Spirit 
of Almighty God. I want to tell you today, every season's a setup for you to experience God in a brand new way. What does it look like for you to actually believe how much he loves you? To onboard it, to receive it. You know, I used to start every prayer time with Jesus with repentance because I always felt like God was so mad at me. And then I read where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And Jesus didn't begin with relationship, or with repentance, he began with relationship. He says, when you pray, pray, my Father who is in heaven. I love the story where it says, Jesus, um, it says, Jesus, come. It's the one that you love. And this may sound really weird to you, but for a season of my life, I just want to encourage you to try it. For a season of my life, because I had so much trouble, it was so easy for me, so long, Rachel, for me to believe that God loved you. It was really tough for God, for me to believe God loved me. Because I know me. I know what I've done. I see myself in the mirror. And I, it was really easy for me to believe that God could raise the dead. But for God to really love me. And so for a season, I would begin every prayer time this way. This may sound really weird. It felt really awkward, almost sacrilegious. But I would begin every prayer time this way. God, it's me, the one you love. God, Father, it's me, the one you love. And it did something to my heart. What does it look like for you to comprehend God's love for you second? What does it look like? Come on, let's get practical. After this is over, you and your spouse, your family, maybe just you if you're single, you need to write out some while I'm in the car declarations. How are you going to carve out space for Jesus, whether you're in person, alone, digital, physical, whatever it looks like, so that you give room for the most important thing in your life? And number three, what does it look like to cultivate hunger in your heart? One last verse. I'm going to pray, but I used to get really frustrated about Moses because I saw some really cool things but I never saw what Moses saw and I used to think God why does Moses get to experience this and then one year I was at a summer camp in Chicago and I was really frustrated about this for a few weeks honestly I was really frustrated and I opened my Bible and I saw 2 Corinthians 3 9 18 this is the this is Paul talking in the New Testament here's what Paul says he says if the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. He's talking about Moses. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, great as Moses was, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were dull, for to this very day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from... In other words, if you think what Moses had is great, he's got nothing on you. And the deal we have in Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe today you do feel like you're in a desert that's never going to end. But you realize God has been trying to reveal to you there's a setup for him to reveal himself to you in a brand new way. And I just pray today, God, that you would birth fresh hunger. God, you're not looking for perfect men and women, but you are looking for available hungry men and women. 
And God, I don't want to stretch this car analogy too far, but as I was preparing and praying this week, it hit me that it's not our good intentions that drive our life. Our desires are the steering wheel of our lives. And God, would you fill us with fresh desire today, fresh hunger, fresh passion. Jesus, you said in Revelation, I wish you were hot or cold. But because you're lukewarm, God, fill us with fire, even in the middle of the desert. Fill us with a burning passion like Moses. God, I pray that there is a supernatural hunger that you give us as an antidote for the hurt. God, sometimes the greatest way for us to heal is to have a fresh vision, a fresh fire, a fresh passion. God, I pray you do that today. And God, I also pray right now for anyone that says, you know what, I would love to make some while I'm in the car resolutions. I would love, but I I don't even have Jesus in the car with me. I don't even know him. I've heard about him, but I don't know him. And right now, if that's you, and I just want to invite you to pray with me. And it's not a, a prayer, it's not a saying words, magical words that changes anything, but it's a turning of the heart. But you can pray something like this after me. Dear God, I come to you as I am with all my hangups, all my hurts, with all the pain that I'm experiencing in this wilderness, in this season, in this road trip. But God, I want to know you. And so I turn to you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I'm asking you to come into my life and give me a brand new start. Wash me from the inside out. Forgive my sins. And I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, and amen, and amen. And can we celebrate today anybody today that passed from death to life?